Hello, I'm Holly. I'm Kirsten. And you're listening to The Alternative. Hey, y'all. We're back at it again for episode two of The Alternative. This is an occult comedy podcast. And each week, I blind react as Holly deep dives into the occult, supernatural, and mysterious. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at y'all underscore pod to stay up to date on all things The Alternative. Do you have anything to add? Did you do anything fun this week? Um, no, I simply worked, came home. You know what I did? I did nothing. We had a DIY spooky painting party. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so I went to probably three different Goodwills looking for, I just wanted a landscape or like a nice, no, it had to be a landscape. Yeah. Something. I found nothing. So I, (laughs) I'm going to hell for this. The only painting I had that would work was the last You supper. had that on hand? Yeah. That's a family heirloom. And I made Jesus a ghost. And I drew a black cat and some bats in it. But, I saw that, but I didn't think... I was curious. I was like, did you just, like, Amazon no, the Prime that? My dad was like, hey, I have a bunch of stuff in the shed. I'm going to throw it away if you don't come look through it. Like, unless you want it. And it's, like, my dead grandma's thing. So I was like, yeah, I'll be there. Hold on. And one of them was that painting, and he was going to throw it out. So I was like, I'll take that. And I made Jesus a ghost. And my daughter was, like, walking around the party telling everybody, my mommy is a bad woman because she made Jesus a ghost. But if you think about it, I mean, they call him the Holy Ghost. And I put devil horns on Judas, so it evens out. Girl math. Girl math. What'd you do this week? I, I did nothing. Well, I mean, my brother had his birthday. Oh my god, happy birthday. Yeah. Did you get him a cake? How old is he? Um, he had cheesecake. I didn't get him anything. Oh, I did get him any okay. So I got him tickets to a show that we're gonna go to. What is it? Don Broco and the home team. And then um I also pitched in to get him a little black stone. Not a little oh one. Oh my god. It is a smaller one, but I would love a black stone. I would make fried rice on one so bad. Oh, you see those videos too? You're telling me a shrimp fry this rice? I'd rather a chicken fry it. No lemon chicken fry. Wow. I have had one too many. Okay. You've only had two. Uh, Yeah, that's one too many. (laughs) Okay, so since you got to interview me last week, I'm going to interview you, ask you a few little questions. I'm scared. You should be. Our good friend prepared these questions. Who? Cody. Cody who? Cody where? Cody what? Cody when? I can't think of any more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our good friend. I. Good friend Cody. Where? Well. Okay, friend. Okay. (laughs) Okay. First question. How long do you think you would last in a horror movie? No. I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I wouldn't make it past the the opening credit. Really? I I mean, the the killer hasn't even, like, appeared yet and you're already Mm. dead. Yeah, because, well, usually they start out and they're like, first of all, they're always camping. Mm-mm. Couldn't be me. I have no survival skills. Never be in the woods. I would never be in the woods. No. Uh, yeah. Don't know. Not I 
I think I would definitely be the first one dead only because I would challenge them because I second somebody's coming after me, do it. Do it. Dare you. You yeah. wouldn't. You won't. No balls. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately dead because I don't believe that they're going to actually kill me, but I will end up dead. Um, yeah. No, I have absolutely no survival skills or any desire to survive. I think that pays heavy into it. Like, you're going to kill me? Oh, my God. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Where were you 10 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So second question. Have you ever had a nightmare that came true? Have I ever had? No. No? No. Because my nightmares are so off the wall. But we've already talked about that in episode one. About my crazy nightmares that I have. Yeah. But I have had a dream that like kind of came true. It was a dream though. It wasn't bad. Do we care oh. to hear that? Or are we going? No, that's fine. Let's hear it. Okay. No, I'm gonna cry. Why are you gonna cry? <laughs> because whenever I found out I was pregnant with my oldest baby, I didn't know that she was a girl yet, and my grandma had like died a couple years before, and I had a dream that I walked into my dad's my dad's house, and my grandma is sitting on the couch, and she's holding a baby in a pink blanket. Yeah, Aww. but she also told me that I was going to name the baby Murphy. Oh. And I didn't. I mean. But she was like half right, so give her credit. Ian was going to be named Angus, so. Definitely should have followed through with that. I know. Mm, no. Could you imagine the wedding invitations? Angus and Kirsten. I would have just called him Gussie. I would have just put beef. A hundred percent beef. Sorry. <laughs> I made eye contact with you and it's awkward. <laughs> It's only okay. weird if you make it weird. I mean, should we just kiss and get it over with? Oh my god, yes. Okay, so third question. If you had to kill someone to save your own life, who would it be and how would you do it? What do you mean? Okay, like, I'm in a room with Hitler, Putin, and Donald Trump, and I have to kill one to survive? Or... Kill one, like, fuck one, mean? marry one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we ain't getting into that. Um, no, if, if I had to kill somebody on the planet. Yeah. Like you had somebody come up to me and said, you have to kill one person and then you get to forever live. Not forever, but like, you know, you need to get to continue on with your life. Who's going to, who's it going to be and how are you going to do it? Um, I don't know. Okay. Well, I don't, that's a hard one to answer because I also don't want anybody to come for me. Like, I don't want to be on a no flight list. Because I got two It would be somebody planned. you know personally? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. Of course not. It would be, like, somebody awful, like Putin. <laughs> <laughs> See? Now the KGB's here listening. So, how would you do it? Would you how just would shoot him? Would you I, poison him? Oh, you know what I would do? Have you ever seen the interview? Yeah. With the rice and strip? Yeah. Okay. That's my dream murder. Oh. Just on the palm... Because it adds, like, some kind of uh, risk factor. <laughs> because, like, if I touch myself, I could also go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I know what, you, I know what you're like, saying. Like, I gotta go for the handshake, and I can't touch anything else. You would rub your eye immediately. I'm, I'm rubbing my <laughs> eyes right now. Like, if he had a cat, I'd be over. <laughs> Done for. Dead. Dead in an instant. Oh, I didn't even answer it. Yeah, don't, let's don't go. Don't fucking shake your head at me. Okay. So I personally could not say who I would, but people who know me and are close to me know who it would probably be. I can think of three people that I think it would be. Three? Mm. Mm. 
Not that I'm a murderer, but I do think that. Feet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give me a hint. One of my exes, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. I know that one. I I think if I was to ever, like, genuinely kill somebody, I wouldn't make them suffer only because I would have to live with that for the rest of my life, and I have a guilty conscience so bad. Yeah. So even with things being, things that were done to me that were so bad, and I had to suffer through, I wouldn't want them to suffer. I just want them gone. Like, yeah. just, just bye. Like, so how would you do it? Maybe, like... I think I'd do poison. Yeah, I think poison is a good way to go. Because then yeah. you just, like, take a quick little nap. Yeah, you're just sleeping a forever. forever. nap. Forever. Yeah. Forever nap. Okay, so... Next one. If you could know the exact date and time of your death, would you want to know? No. No? No. I have the worst anxiety. I would, like... I don't... I would not. I don't want to know. Me neither. I would not I... be able to handle it. Part of me wants to say yes because I feel like I feel like I don't really take risks anymore. <laughs> you know? That's a risk you want to take? No. I'm just saying like I don't I'd go and do more things like with my oh, family. Yeah. Like if somebody was like, Hey, you're dying in six months, I'd be like, Okay, well, I gotta go to Disney World. Like, <laughs> bye. Yeah. Cause I'd want to experience more and I'd want to be able to create more memories. I think part of me would just because I'm so curious. Like, if somebody was like, hey, I know the exact date and time that you're going to die, I'd probably take that risk and be like, you know what? Go ahead and tell me. Because I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life, and I'm probably going to text you a year from now and be like, hey, could you just go ahead and tell me? Because I think I'd also be scared. I would be scared. I'm scared every day. Like, maybe today's the day. (laughs) But if it was like, if I was going to live to like 87, and they were like, yeah, you, you got I don't want to live years. that old. I fucking do. I don't. I'm not, I'm not afraid of death. Like, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm going straight to hell. And that's my I don't Catholic want to guarantee. die. Like, I genuinely don't want to die. But I, I'm not afraid of it. But I don't want to be old and senile. My oh, biggest yeah. fear is to be old. Because, I don't know. I've been like, in nursing homes. That scares me. I feel so bad for so many of those people. Because they... They've lost so much of, like, what was them. Yeah. It fucks me up. Yeah, I don't ever want to be old and not remember my kids. Like, that's the scariest thing to me. Is like, n- my kids come to see me, I don't know who they are. I do that already. <laughs> Marina <laughs> walks in the room. <laughs> who are you? Yeah, where's your mom? I tell them, I'll tell both my kids all the time, we're not their real parents. Found I, them don't, in I don't think I would want to know unless it was like, yeah, you got, like, 50 more years and then i'd be like okay right but if if i'm dying at 30 then just keep that to yourself yeah i don't know i guess if it's short term don't tell me but maybe long term yeah maybe i could fit some more stuff in you know yeah i don't know if it was like tomorrow i think i'd have a panic attack if it was like tomorrow but i also look at death i love to sleep Mm. i'm like that's that that's a forever nap I yeah. just get to sleep forever. No dreams, but I'm just whatever. concerned about like leaving my kids with nothing and like who gets who gets the kid because I don't want it to be my mother. That that's fair. Yeah, like if they're adults, then okay, take me out. 
Yeah, I mean, your kids will never get to see Pokemon again. <laughs> yeah. No Disney Plus either. Who would they go to? I'll take them. Give um, them to me. I don't sign, know. sign your kids over right now. Well, my Aunt Lisa said that she'll take the kids, but Lauren has to pay for them. Lauren will finance the kids, and Lisa will raise them. That, so. I'd be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's good. Lisa's yeah. great. Yeah, they'd be good. They'd be in good hands. She's, she's, she's cool. very, she's a good mother. Like, you know, when I'm around her, I just want to, I want to hold yeah, her. Yeah, and she's in her holistic era. She, like, takes cinnamon capsules and shit. Yeah, cinnamon's really good for you. And she, like, grows herbs we have in the garden. What is it? We have, I think, parsley capsules. Or what? How do you have that? What does that do? Uh, It's parsley, I believe. Right? It's oregano capsules. Oregacillin, you said? Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to penicillin, so that wouldn't be good for me. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't have penicillin. You in said penicillin. Yeah. Are you allergic to the penna or the cillin? It's the cillin because I'm also allergic to amoxicillin, but it has penicillin in it. Oh. Okay. Well, it makes my uh the skin around my fingertips peel. <laughs> yeah. You just lose your fingertips. <laughs> yeah. I could commit a crime though because my fingerprints go with it. So before you murder somebody, you're just gonna take like some- a whole bottle. <laughs> my whole fingers just peel off. <laughs> Moving on. All right, all right. Then let's get into some odd news. This week in odd news, archaeologists in Spain recently discovered prehistoric remains they believe to be tied to cannibalistic practices. Among the findings, a tibia crafted into a tool and a human skull in the shape of a cup. This is my formal request to be turned into dishware, but I want to be on the top shelf of a hutch on display like an Hermes plate. Can you, are you able to write out that down, like, to write that out in your will that you leave your bones to me? Because I would dedicate a whole hutch to dishware made into your bones, like, made oh, from your and bones. and tools. But, I mean, I would, I would have good use of your bones if you would leave them to me in your will. Absolutely. Just, you have to display me on the top shelf. Okay. Like an Hermes plate. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I will have your um, pelvic bone as a serving platter, or a little charcuterie board even. Oh my god, not the pelvis. <laughs> and the charcuterie. Please serve cheese on my pelvis. Pelvic. Look, I'm not going to need it anyway. Is it pelvic or pelvis? I, I, might, I, think, it might, I think whenever you're referring to one, it's pelvic bone. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just whenever you're dead, and whenever you're alive, it's pelvis. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think it's pelvic. It might be pelvic. Well, that's what I said. So, oh, I said it. Look, I'm really excited for this week's episode. Okay. Okay. We've done like what four? This is my favorite one. This is my Roman Empire. I changed my mind from last week. It's not the triangle shirtwaist factory fire. It's this. So is this John Bonet Ramsey? It's not, because this is not a true crime podcast, because it gives me anxiety. All right. First things first, I have to get comfortable. I thought you were about to start singing. Um, the... First things first, I'm the ruler. Oh. That one? No. <laughs> you and Iggy Azalea, and I was going to go Nicki Minaj. She goes, first things first, I'm going to eat your brains. Oh, I don't know that one. Then I'm going to start rocking gold teeth and fangs. Look. There are two types of people. 
You're the Iggy Azalea of the world, I guess. Oh, God, please don't say that. <laughs> I know one song by her, and it's that one. I don't know. You are a white bitch with a fat ass. Oh, that's, like, probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Don't get used to it. Okay, but it's recorded, so. <laughs> that's just my ringtone from now on. It's just, like, I just White bitch it. with a fat ass. Okay, I have to give a trigger warning on this one. Because it gets a little dark. Trigger warning. Discussion of slavery, disturbing details, and bad French pronunciation because this is the story of the New Orleans voodoo queen. But we need a little preface. We need a little lesson in voodoo. We need to build an understanding. And I could do an entire part two focusing on other aspects of Louisiana voodoo, but there because there's just so much and no one's talking about it. We need more voodoo. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't like my Roman Empire, but like I do think of it often. Okay. I'm glad. Cause I. It gets a bad rap. Yeah. Cause first of all, I loved American Horror Story. Oh. Uh, yeah. Season three of Coven. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it last night. Even though my favorite's Asylum. Oh, I, I wasn't into that one. I loved Asylum. That one was my favorite. Okay. I could do an entire part two. Focusing on other aspects of Louisiana voodoo because there's so much. But, so maybe we'll revisit that later. I don't know. But for this episode, we're going to focus on the high priestess, the queen, the legend, the icon, Marie Laveau. But this is where I turn this into a history podcast, but I'm going to get through this as as fast as possible to get to the good shit, okay? To really understand the Louisiana culture, we got to take it way back to the big P. Penis? That's right, purchase. Oh. We were so close. So the Louisiana Territory spanned from the Port of New Orleans across 15 states and two provinces of Canada, which makes sense because when you think about French culture in North America, Canada and Louisiana had the biggest influence, right? Louisiana has Creole, Canada has poutine, which contains French fries. It's all French. So the Seven Year War is raging. This is also referred to as the French and Indian War and is considered the first global war ever. Okay, trendsetters. But everybody has beef. And usually historians can pinpoint the beginning, middle, and end of war because there are significant events that happen to mark the timeline, right? Yeah. Not here. Never mind. And I'm going to do a shit job summarizing it, but who cares? This is our podcast and we make the rules. So, in Europe. Not, not we, but... Oh, we? You speak French? <laughs> no, Perfect we. for this episode. <laughs> okay, so in Europe, Prussia and Great Britain are fighting what? France. What? Did you say Prussia? Yeah. It was before it was Russia. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it was like, it's, it's... That's a different episode. So, in Europe, Prussia and Great Britain are fighting France and Austria, and the Austrian Habsburgs, those Habsburgs, yeah, wanted to win back Silesia, which they didn't. And that's all that I'm giving to the Europeans. But in America, the fighting was between the British and the French. And just to complicate things, both were supported by the Native Americans. Okay. The British colonies were so proud of their 13 original colonies that they wanted to expand west. But that's controlled by the French. So that's a le problem. Ha ha ha. We we. We we. And this was more about the profit of exporting and importing goods than it was the actual land itself but that's very lay boring so the seven-year war lasted take a guess 
Seven years. Well, some of the information in this piece of investigative journalism written by moi is from the book, The Seven Year War, 1754 to 1763. You do the math. I don't want to. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so France loses to Great Britain, but instead of giving up the land, the king of France just gives it to his cousin. And of course, his cousin is the king of Spain. Yeah. How would I have guessed that? I don't know. It's okay. I was going to give it to you anyway. Oh, okay. And it stays in Spanish territory until 1800, when the new French leader, Napoleon Bonaparte, secretly trades Tuscany for the land in an attempt to expand the French Empire in America. So he came back for round two, because France lost. Is it pronounced Bonaparte, or is it Bonaparte? It probably is Bonaparte, but that's why I gave a trigger warning at the beginning. Oh, yeah. bad French pronunciation. Okay. I don't know history. I do know all this, though. Do you? Yeah. I don't remember any of this. This is, like, the only thing that I do remember in school, actually. I skipped a lot of my history to go paint my art teacher's nails, because I was no longer in art. But then there was this big slave revolt against France and what is now Haiti, and President Thomas Jefferson was like, hey, Napoleon, if you don't get your shit together and let me buy this land, I'm going to call the British to come stomp your ass again. And Jefferson was adamant about getting this land because of the Mississippi River and the opportunity it gave for trade. Every day, he's writing Napoleon, like, dear Napoleon. You know what would be, like, so funny? If you sold me that land. Heart emoji, TJ. Which, love the persistence. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I really thought you were going to quote the, the letter from Jersey Shore. Oh. <laughs> Dear Sam, that one night at bed. Yeah. <laughs> so Napoleon is like, I can't afford another ass whipping from the British, and I've got enough going on with the slave revolt in my own colony. I'm just going to sell this big old slab of land to TJ since he wants it so bad. And then Napoleon rolled his eyes. Heart emoji. TJ buys it for 15 mil. But the New England Federalists were pissed because that meant that the French, Spanish, and free Africans that had settled at the Port of New Orleans would be considered Americans. And they could not have that because they're all xenophobic bigots. Xenophobic. That's what I said. Okay. Um, so the primary ethnicities in the territory are French, Spanish, and Mexican. And they were all largely Catholic. Which, you know kind of awkward with the whole protestant thing yeah say what protestant thing well what protestant thing i knew you would say that so i wrote in parentheses right here in case kirsten doesn't know the english puritans and protestants left europe and came to america to escape religious persecution which is funny because they were very anti-catholic pick a fucking struggle (laughs) in addition there was a large population of enslaved africans in louisiana because spain had continued the transatlantic slave trade and South Louisiana had an influx of French-speaking refugees fleeing the slave revolt that I mentioned earlier. I hope that brings you up to speed. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So, voodoo is a widely misunderstood spiritual practice, which I didn't even know it was a religion. Did you know that? I mean... I thought it was, like, witchcraft. Witchcraft is a religion. I didn't know witchcraft was a religion. Yeah, it's Wiccan. Oh, Wiccan! Right, right! <laughs> oh my gosh, my cousins, they went to... I can't say that. Um, whenever we hear the word voodoo, what do we think of? What do you think of? Um, I think of the labyrinth. Really? Yeah, just because of the song. Power of voodoo. Who do you do? Oh, hoodoo is a religion, too. Oh, well, whatever. Isn't that cool? Uh, well, well, actually, I... I think of the labyrinth, and then I also think of Scooby-Doo. Which one? But anyways. The one with the witches? No, the movie. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, well, before I wrote this, 
I would think of like dolls with pins in them, witchcraft, sh- shrunken heads. That's a modern pop culture take on the religion. And I'm going to try to explain this in the most respectful way possible because I don't want to offend anyone. And I also don't want the bad juju because I have enough. Yeah, that's right. You've got the worst absolute luck that I've ever met in a person. I'm glad that you recognize that. I, I've, I've recognized it. And I, <laughs> You're, and I drag you into it like 90% of the time. Yeah, that's why we stopped hanging out. That's not why we, we stopped, stopped hanging, hanging out. out. We stopped hanging out because I don't like you. That really hurt. <laughs> I want to go home. Okay, the exact origins of voodoo are unknown, but historians believe that the religion has roots in West Africa. The forms of voodoo that are practiced by Marie Laveau are the result of the most inhumane episode in modern history, the African slave trade that took place from the 16th to the 19th centuries, which I've already mentioned, but I'm going to keep mentioning it because there are people that want to ban critical race theory. And do you know what happens when we forget important historical events? They happen again. Yeah, they repeat themselves. So when African slaves were brought here to the Americas, they brought their religion with them. But white people did not like this. Are we white people shocked? A 1685 French law prohibited the practice of African religion and required and required all masters to Christianize their slaves within eight days of their arrival. Like, just huh? imagine how awful that was. Like, families are split up. Mothers are ripped away from their children to never see them again. They're sold and traded like cattle forced to do unimaginably hard labor, and they are stripped of their entire belief system. Yeah, that's crazy. A little whack, if you ask me. But like I said, the population of Louisiana is mostly Roman Catholic, so that is generally the religion that enslaved... Hold on. I literally just said that. That was so weird. Oh my god, look, I start talking about voodoo and then crazy shit starts happening. She sounded like she was right there. No, it sounded like a robot voice. Chat, is this it real? Like I'm pretty sure it's the lady from next door. She must have been. <clears throat> that was weird. Yeah. I'm scared. Oh well, I'm already doing it. Okay, but like I said, the population of Louisiana is mostly Roman Catholic. So that's generally the religion that enslaved people are forced to practice. But of course, they're not going to give up their own religion. They just practice it in silence. Which I think is why the idea of voodoo is so mysterious. It's because it had to be. Now, voodoo refers to a whole assortment of cultural elements, an elaborate system of medicinal practices, a system of ethics, the justice system, what is acceptable behavior, what is not. It's all passed down through generations by proverbs, stories, songs, and folklore. Voodoo is not just a personal belief. It is their entire way of life. And they're stripped of that when they come here. With you know the what? Yeah, I've seen Princess and the Frog. I've never seen that. That's my favorite. I sh- That's uh, the only Disney, Disney princess that matters. Well, my mom canceled Disney Plus because there was like some Satan show or something. I don't know. So we don't even have that. Believers worship many spirits, each one of whom is responsible for a specific domain or part of life. So, for example, if you're a farmer, you might give praise and offerings to the spirit of agriculture. If you are suffering from unreciprocated love, you would praise or leave offerings for the spirit of love. So on and so forth. Does this sound familiar? Does this remind you of any other religion? What? Catholicism. Yeah, I mean, it, 
The main goal of voodoo is to offer prayers and perform devotional rites. Direct. You're good. Hello? Am I having a stroke? The main what goal- do you smell? Do you smell lemon? I smell that cleaner that you made me drink. The main goal of voodoo is to offer prayers and perform devotional rites directed at God and particular spirits in return for health, protection, and favor. So, Marie Catherine Laveau is born a free woman of color on September 10th, 1801, in the French Quarter of New Orleans, Louisiana. Her mother, Marguerite Henry, is also a free woman of color, is said to be of French, African, and Native American descent, which is relatable because I did Ancestry DNA. And you know, I was 1% African. What about like her great-granddaughter? No. Okay. You couldn't get that lucky. Yeah. You're not related to anybody cool. (laughs) Oh my god. Now you have to say, okay, you said one mean thing, so now you have to say three nice things to even it out. I said it earlier. What did you say? I said you are a white bitch with a fat, fat ass. Okay, that's true. I'll take that. That's pretty good. Because Marguerite was unmarried when Marie was born, there's no father listed on her baptism record, but it's believed to be Charles Laveau Trudeau. He is a politician serving as the Surveyor General of Louisiana when it was controlled by Spanish rule. And following the Louisiana Purchase, he was a recorder for the city of New Orleans and president of the city council. He even serves as mayor of New Orleans for about six-ish months in 1812. He even designed Lafayette Square in the French Quarter, which today is the second oldest public space in New Orleans. Just an overall high society white guy. But Marguerite was not born a free woman. Her mother was taken, likely from Senegal in West Africa, and sold into slavery. Marguerite's mother was bought by Henry Roche, whom she is rumored to have had several children with. He sells all of them, except for Marguerite whom he frees in 1790, and five years later, her mother is able to buy her own freedom. How would you sell your own children? Because he didn't give a fuck. That's just so crazy. Yeah, and she had to buy her own freedom. Um, They take Henry as their surname, which is common for the time. Like, if you were a slave during this time and you were freed, you take the name. Your last name is now the name of your master, previous master, because you're free, right? Oh. Yeah. I would. Ugh. I know. No, I, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, Marguerite becomes the mistress of Henry D'Arcantel, a different Henry, who is a wealthy white French planter and high-ranking officer in the Spanish colonial government as the royal accountant. Do you see a pattern here? Um, it's also rumored that Marie's grandmother was a high priestess in Haiti, which is, like, pretty good. Yeah. So, we don't know much about Marie's childhood, but at age 18, she marries Jacques Perry. He is also a free man of color. He had immigrated to Louisiana following the Haitian slave revolt. They are married in the Catholic Church. He works as a cabinet maker. They have two daughters. But in 1820, he disappears. Some sources say that he deserted his family, but whatever the story is, he is declared dead in 1820, which is the same year that he went missing. And I... I don't know what the law was back then. I probably should have looked it up. But I know now you had to be missing for seven years to be declared dead. Unless somebody can prove you're dead. That's so weird. Very sad. Like, I've, I've granted, like, you know, I try really hard to, like, be logical about things. Same. But, like, if Ian was to go missing, I wouldn't be like, yeah, he's dead. I'd be like, he's just a little lost. He'll come back. Yeah, you would, like, have hope that he would return. Yeah. Not her. 
She starts calling herself Widow Paris, and to support her two children, she begins working as a hairdresser. And maybe this is important, I don't know, but the two daughters disappear from historical records in the 1820s. So her husband and her two kids go missing. Is there, like, records that they went missing, or, like, there's just nothing else about them? Like, they were baptized at, like, seven years old and nine years old, and then that's it. No death records, no marriage records, no census records, nothing. They just disappear. Following the death of her husband, she enters a situationship with, are you ready for this? Jean-Louis Christophe Dominique de Glapion, who is a white French nobleman, but because he is white, they cannot get married. That's the name for me. Yeah, what name would you take, even if you could get married? They called him Louis, I think. Um, They move into a cottage on St. Anne Street that previously belonged to Marie's grandmother, they have seven children together, but only two survive to adulthood. Marie Eloise Eucharist Clapion. She must have really loved being Catholic because the Eucharist is the big chalice that you drink. So the out kids of. that like didn't survive, their note to like why they didn't survive. I mean, I'm sure it was like, what do we have last week? Tuberculosis, galloping, galloping tuberculosis. tuberculosis. Nobody would put them on a horse. They were too little. I don't know. I really don't know. I didn't look into it. Hmm. Weird. Because that was pretty common. If you think about it, they got sick oh, from yeah. everything. Somebody could have got food poisoning and died. Who knows? Following old Christoph's death, the family is heavily in debt due to his unwise business practices. The cottage on St. Anne's is seized, but Marie's children and grandchildren are able to remain in the residence when a kind friend of hers buys it. Oh my god, I would do that for you. If your house is getting seized and you're like, oh my god. And I was like, I got the money. But yeah, I would do I'll that do for it. you if I had the money. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't fight to get it. You wouldn't fight? Yeah, if I didn't have So if you made an offer and they were like, "Mm mm-mm. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, I'd walk away. If they countered for, like, a thousand more, you'd be like, no. I'd get you a better house. Aw. Okay. (laughs) The home was demolished in 1903, but there is now a home, another home on the property that marks the approximate location of her original cottage. And I looked this up on TikTok. And the whole outside of the house that's there now, it's not the same house, but it's, like, in the same area, um, is just covered in shit. Like, this, the shutters, the doors, the windowsill, just about everywhere you can fit something. People leave personal belongings as an offering. Mostly, it's ponytails, hair scrunchies, and hair claws, and not to her occupation as a hairdresser. Yeah, I have friends that had went over there before. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, fun. You think she did type in extensions? Because I need some. I've I've got some in my cart right now. Car? Cart. Oh, cart. Yeah. I think I'm I'm gonna bite the bullet and go ahead and get some. I I'll do them for you. If you do mine. Yeah, of course. I was thinking about training Ian to do them. Training? Yeah. I think okay. he's writing cash money on his hands right now, so we'll skip that. You should put thug life. Anyways. Okay. During the eighteen twenties. She began studying with a man who was a leader in the voodoo community by the name of Dr. John. Dr. John had so many motherfucking names, but I'm just going to call him Dr. John because they were like, just say yeah. Just yeah. say okay. That's fair. I'm just trying to figure out why. I want to know the other names. Do you really want to know? No, I genuinely want to know the other names. Um, okay. One moment. Uh, Dr. John, also known as Bayou John. 
I read somewhere that he was called John Howard. Bayou John's kind of cool. Yeah. I should have put that. But I wanted it to be known that he was a doctor. Okay. Okay, so there's just several different names in the form of John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like John, Sam, Rick. Like. No, sorry for the confusion. Okay. Being raised a practicing Catholic, she forms a close relationship with Father Antoine, who continues giving her the sacrament despite her practice of voodoo. She combines voodoo practices with Catholic traditions like holy water and saint statues, making voodoo socially acceptable by the upper class. She is incredibly business savvy. Like, she's truly calculated and super smart about everything that she does. That's not an opinion. That's factual. She gathers her followers in Congo Square on Sundays to worship and dance as this was one of the only few places in the city that allowed both white and black people to freely mix. She makes money by selling Grigri and magical potions. And I had to look up what a Grigri was. Okay, because I was about to ask what the heck's a Grigri. It's like a little leather pouch that you wear around the neck. Oh, and then and it's tra- got little stuff in it? Yeah, like traditionally in like Africa, it was like an amulet. Oh, like okay. It could be charms and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I've seen... I know about that. You could put like... I need that. You think I would have better luck? I don't think anything can help you. Her fame grows as word begins to spread that her potions can cure illness, grant wishes, and hex enemies. I got a list. I got a few people I'd hex on. In addition, her services are available to control strang lovers and increase fertility or wealth. Marie performs major ceremonies on Bay St. John on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain. And during these rituals, she is often accompanied by her king or a second-ranking male official. Singing, dancing, drumming, and spirit possession would occur in these gatherings. Nosy white people would hide in the woods to watch, often reporting exaggerated tales of what would occur. Just like a white person to not be able to mind their business. It only takes her about 10 years to be recognized as one of several voodoo queens in the city of New Orleans. So, Marie owns a salon in the French Quarter. Her clients are wealthy, white, and Creole women. And during the early days of Louisiana, Creole was a word used to describe someone who was born in the colony and was a descendant of French or Spanish parents. I believe it then evolved to mean a person that is French and African American. It was kind of hard to find a proper source for this because there are like multiple meanings for the word. I just work here. They view her as a confidant and share their most personal secrets with her. But sometimes she would get the tea from their servants. So she'd be like, yeah, go sit under the dryer for 40 minutes. I'm gonna go over here and talk to Lila. And then she'd be like, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Spill the thesis. She uses this information to enhance her image as a clairvoyant when wealthy and political figures came to her for personal advice. They also paid Marie to intervene in some situations and for protection against any evil energy that may have been placed against them. Ina J. Bandrich says, quote, everybody in trouble of any sort seems to have sought her help. Women and men, black and white, enslaved and free, the rich and famous, and the poor and unknown alike. Rumors have it that all of the city's leading politicians, wealthy planters, lawyers, and businessmen consulted with her secretly before making any major decision, as everyone in the Crescent City appears to have been convinced that whatever the voodoo queen predicted would unfailingly come true, unquote. She was that bitch. HBIC. I wonder if they were like, 
Hey, Marie, I'll give you $10 if you tell me what this week's lotto numbers are. Did they, they didn't have a lottery back then, did they? I don't know. In addition to hairdressing and voodooism, she occasionally works as a nurse. During the yellow oh my f- god, the bitch of all trades. I'm like saying. I am saying. What can she not do? During the yellow fever epidemic in 1878, she provides the sick with herbal remedies and prayers. She periodically visits inmates that have been sentenced to death, and rumors circulate that she would provide prisoners with poison before they were sent to the gallows. Because this death is better than that death, you know? Yeah. I'd rather take a night-night They get my neck broken. But after her death, her daughter Philomene denied these rumors, commenting that only Catholic traditions would occur on these visits and that her mother would simply prepare their last meal and pray for them. She pulled a little something-something in the last meal. She said, you're not going to suffer today. Often, Marie would seek pardons for those she favored, and most of the time, it worked. Because she knew everybody's dirt. Yeah. Like, if she was going to the judge and was like, I know that you're fucking that dog. Please free this man. I don't know. (laughs) And he's like, you got me there. He killed somebody, but that's not even really that bad. So, I think we should just... Time served. You know what? If he murders you, that's on you. Like... Yeah. We're gonna give you one more chance, pal. She also provides lessons for the women in her community and performed rituals free of charge for those in need. She was a healer, cared for her community, and only used her power for good. (laughs) Okay. She was that bitch in the community. Okay. But this is the middle of the 1800s. We already know from last week, there is no medicine. If you're sick, what option do you have? You can visit the doctor who's like, also make shoes. Or you can ride a horse. Oh, yeah. Or you, and eat some brown sugar. Yeah. Or you can dig up your grandma that was a vampire and tell her to stop eating you. But doctors didn't even wash their hands before doing surgery until the 1870s. Yeah. So, what the hell else are you going to do? I'd really go down the road and see Marie. She's going to give me two eyes and newt. I'm going to feel A1 after that. She reigns as the voodoo queen of New Orleans until 1850, when another Creole woman named Rosalie attempted to challenge Laveau's position. As an intimidation tactic, Rosalie placed a life-size wooden doll covered with beads and intricate drawings in her yard. People in the voodoo community started to respect her out of fear. Was this uh, Rosalie from Twilight? No. And when she catches wind of this, Marie Laveau steals the statue. Rosalie sues her in court, but because of her persuasive powers and well connection, a judge rules that the doll be permanently removed. There's that judge again. It's the same one that fucked the dog. She's like, (laughs) this bitch is a doll. And she's pissing me off with it. Uh, yeah, so Rosalie found, uh, fucked around and she found out. A few others gathered mild attention during her reign, but of course, no one could even come close to Marie Laveau until June 15, 1881, when Marie Catherine Laveau Perry Lapion dies peacefully in her cottage on St. Anne Street. Her funeral was lavish and attended by a diverse audience, including members of the white elite. Tradition states that she was seen by some people in town after her supposed death. But also, here's the thing. She had a daughter, and the daughter called herself Marie II. 
she looked just like Marie Laveau. So whenever people would see her walking around, they'd be like, oh my God, Marie had some work done because she looks real young. But in reality, it was like her daughter. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Marie Laveau's tomb is the most visited in all of New Orleans cemeteries. But unfortunately, vandalism was such an issue that now you can't visit the tomb unless you're with a licensed tour guide. She has inspired songs, movies, and television shows, and will always be a central figure in New Orleans. And Kirsten, guess what I did this morning? For my birthday this year, I booked a 90-minute New Orleans tour simply titled The Bad Bitches Ghost Tour. Included in that tour is the location where Marie Laveau's home used to be, as well as a few brothels, and the La Lurie Mansion. But that one is a story for another episode. For maybe closer to, to when we go visit? I'm going for my birthday. I will go. You want to go? Yeah, I want to go. Y'all want to go? No. Together? Oh, it's a couple strip. You have to bring a date. I'm going to break up before then. Uh, you think you can get somebody else? Probably. Like just for the trip? Like, yeah. you ride with us. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, then that would be fun. I got, like, two months. So, uh, that is the tale of Marie Laveau. I think I was thinking of somebody else. I'm not going to lie. Because you thought she was like a bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. I can't remember her name. Isn't that Madame? It's Madame Lillery from Coven was the uh, serial killer. And I wrote three extra pages of this episode with her whole story because the story is Marie Laveau, Rainer out of town. That's like, that's like the locals around New Orleans say that. But I deleted it because it was entirely too long. Okay, yeah, I... That's Delphine Lillery, she, like, changed... Uh, she did some crazy shit. I was reading today that she... I got um, the names mixed up. That's That was a white bad. lady. Yeah. Yeah. She, one of her slaves, she snapped, like, the legs and arms of her, of her slave and reset them so that she would have to walk like a crab. Yeah. So I wrote all that, and I was like, this is too fucking dark. Like, it's, it's, there was a slave whenever the house burnt down and they went in, there was a slave with a hole in the top of its skull all the way to the brain and a wooden spoon beside the slave, like the slaves chained to the ground where they would stir the brains. I could not. Yeah, it's, it's very fucked to say the least. I've seen like, I've read like bits and pieces of it, but I always get their names confused. Also, I wanted to do Papa Legba, but it was too long. So maybe we'll come back. Maybe yeah, we we'll do a little it. part two. But that's it. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs> I said bye. Is that an LOL doll? <gasps> this is an Arcan Media production. Researched by Holly Statham. Theme song by Ian Ernest and Blake Nugent. This episode was mixed by Holly Statham and Ian Ernest. Sources for this episode are available on arcanemedia.com and are listed in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram at y'all underscore pod and TikTok at the alternative. Have you ever had a close encounter with the supernatural? Share your experience with us at arcanemedia at outlook.com. Bye, y'all.